Hello, and welcome to the Purposeful Pen Podcast. My name is Amy Simon, and here we find clarity and direction in writing the message that God has given us. We look at the head game of writing, the business of writing, as well as some biblical encouragement along the way. I hope you come away with a renewed sense of purpose and focus as you seek to write that which serves God and loves others. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Purposeful Pen podcast. So today we are going to talk about how to manage the inner critic and imposter syndrome. So now when we think about writing, we usually think about the act of opening up a Word document or pulling out a notebook and paper and putting words on the page or screen. We might romanticize the whole process and Imagine hours spent in a coffee shop writing words of wisdom or hold up in some quaint cabin in the woods. We'll decide what to write and then eloquently share it with our waiting audience. Yeah, it doesn't work that way, does it? Now, I have spent time writing in a coffee shop and I do have a friend who has an adorable writing cabin in the Michigan woods that she rents out to writers. I will put a link in the show notes in case you're interested. However, something that doesn't always get talked about when we think about the writing life are two intruders that we frequently call the inner critic and imposter syndrome. They're similar, but yet different. So let's take a look at what they are and how they impact our writing. So the inner critic is the voice in our heads that criticizes our writing, our ideas, our plans and goals, all of it. It says things like, that's a dumb idea. No one will want to read that. Everyone has already said that. So if we listen to this voice, especially too early in our writing process, it can really put the brakes on what we're doing. It squashes our creativity and silences our message. So here are some things to keep in mind about the inner critic. First of all, I think everyone hears this voice. You are not alone. Wrestling with this voice in your head does not mean that you're not really a writer or that everything or anything that the voice says is true. It simply means you're human. So it also can be helpful at the right time and in the right way. Now, the right time is not at the beginning of working on a project. When you're brainstorming ideas or writing about new concepts, you need to ask that critic to take a seat. You need the freedom to try new things and explore options in a safe place. So thirdly, your critic is not the boss of you. Instead, your Holy Spirit-led self gets to call the shots and run the show. So imagine yourself sitting in a boardroom having a meeting. Your inner critic has a seat at the table, but is not running the meeting. Next, your inner critic needs to be taught to be nice and to be specific. So if you have kids, you've probably had a situation where your child will come up to you and say something that might be true, but they're really not saying it in a way that is helpful or kind. This dinner is terrible. So what do we do when they're rude or inappropriate? We help them learn to be kind and constructive. Let's try that again. How about, Mom, thank you for the time you put into making this dinner tonight. I tried the Brussels sprouts and they were too salty. Could you make a different vegetable next time? Or maybe wrap them in bacon. 
And for the record, bacon wrapped is the only way to eat Brussels sprouts, in my humble opinion. Now, their kid feelings are legitimate, but they need some training in communicating in a way that is kind and constructive. In the same way, your inner critic may have some legit concerns, but it may need some training in how to be kind and constructive. Instead of, huh, that's a dumb idea, make your critic reframe that. What exactly is the concern about the idea? Get specific. Vague and rude criticism isn't helpful in the slightest. Now, this next idea may sound a little weird, but just hang with me. It actually works. Naming your inner critic might be very helpful. So we tend to think that our thoughts are us, right? But really, they're only part of us. When we gain just a little bit of distance from those thoughts, we can look at them more objectively and decide if they are true, kind, or helpful. When we give a name to their source, it helps us to gain a degree of separation and distinction from those thoughts. Well, that's not me, it's my inner critic, Ethel, or whatever you might like to name her. Once we have some separation, we can be more objective and decide if what she's saying is true, helpful, or kind. So next, have a conversation with your inner critic. Personally, I prefer to do this on paper in my journal. What is she actually complaining about? Force her to be specific in her objections. Sometimes the voice of that inner critic sounds an awful lot like a parent, coach, or other person from our past who was overly critical. That might be something to explore. So instead, we want God's voice bouncing around in our heads rather than the critical one. Now, what about the imposter? While the inner critic criticizes our ideas, the imposter criticizes us as people. Who do you think you are? You don't have what it takes. You'll never figure this out. You can't learn how to do this. Many of the same things apply here as applied to the inner critic. The difference is that in most cases, the imposter voice isn't helpful in the slightest. When we place our faith in Christ, we become children of God. We have been made in his image. We are capable, filled with his spirit. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, according to Ephesians 1 verse 3. In order to manage imposter syndrome, we first need to settle our identity in Christ. My friend Kara Ray wrote a great blog post recently on this topic, and I've linked to it in the show notes. So many of the questions posed by that imposter syndrome voice are settled when we really embrace and internalize who we are in Christ. Who are you to think you have something to offer? Well, you're a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit who enables you and equips you to have something of value to offer others. You are capable of learning new things and encouraging others. The God of the universe lives within you. To say that we have nothing to offer, frankly, is ridiculous. So what do we do when we're confronted with those imposter voices? We can counter those thoughts with truth from God's word. What does God say about who we really are? If you struggle in this area, as I totally have, I have developed a method of using journaling and spiritual disciplines to uncover what lies you might be believing and getting you stuck in your faith in this way. 
It came from the lessons that I've learned in my own life as I've wrestled with lies, such as you don't have anything to offer. I'll link to that resource in the show notes as well. So how about you? Where do you struggle? What is one thing that you'll apply from this episode? I would love to hear about it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found it helpful in your writing journey. Please take a look at the show notes for links and resources that were mentioned in the episode. I would love to continue the conversation with you on Instagram. You can follow me there at Amy Simon Writer. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to hear about it. And you can help the podcast grow by subscribing and sharing it with others who might benefit as well. May you build a writing life that brings joy to you, glory to God, and benefit to others. Thank you.